Hey guys, welcome to The Bottom Half is Red. I'm your host, Baron Longstrath, and I am excited to bring to you a show that is going to give you some thought-provoking discussions. It's going to give you some expert insights to both encourage and some practical steps for how to build an organization that can more effectively introduce the world to Jesus Christ. So what is the bottom half is red? It's all about building a culture of excellence. It's about growing your unique and creative identity. And it's about carrying out the will of God at any cost. So you're gonna see that through practical teaching tips, developing a culture of giving, creating branding and marketing, or even methods to help guests feel safe and welcomed. This podcast is gonna have you covered. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanna take just a moment and extend a special invitation to all of our dedicated listeners. If you're looking to get even more involved in our community and gain some access to some behind the scenes stuff, become a Patreon supporter. And you can find that link in the episode description or even on Patreon, just visit the bottom half is red. Listen, we can't wait to welcome you on board and to share this exciting journey. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, welcome to The Bottom Half is Red, and I am incredibly excited about this episode today. I know it's going to add some major value to you as a leader. We have with us the one and only Pastor Jeff Ralston, who is a visionary leader. He values personal connections, and we might dive into some of that today, but we're going to be covering a subject matter called how to recognize the need for change, and this is a big subject that we're going to cover today. We want to officially welcome Pastor Ralston to the show. Welcome, Brother Ralston. Thank you, Baron. It's great to be with you. Good to see you again and uh, enjoy being a part of your podcast today. Well, if you have not met Brother Ralston personally, I promise you he is a game changer. He's been a game changer in the church today. He's been a game changer in our family. Um, We love him. We love his vision. Um, Before we went live here, he was telling us about some things that just took place in the state of Wisconsin and uh, what a, a visionary um, leader this man is. So, Brother Ralston, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're busy. Uh, we're going to dive right in to the subject matter, and we're, we're talking about a subject called the need for change and how to recognize that need. We've divided that out into five different questions, and I told Brother Ralston we might not get through every question, but we're going to just get as deep as we can today and uh, allow his perspectives to, to help influence where you're at. And I believe that this subject is something that we all need to address. And if it's not for this moment, it will be for a moment in the near future. So let's dive into this subject matter. So, Brother Ralston, I'm going to ask you a question. You answer as long as you want, and uh, I might just pipe in for a follow-up question, if that's all right, and we'll just allow it to be a conversation. So, first question, Brother Ralston, how can leaders discern the difference between embracing change for the sake of relevance and compromising their core beliefs and values? Well, first of all, it's a great question, and it's a complicated question. Um, I read that first question 
800 times trying to figure out right. what it was asking me. You know, uh, <laughs> I tell you, I think, you know, the, the discern the difference between embracing is the key factor there. It's such a great way to phrase it because sometimes we look at it, we go, I might be, I might be hooked on cheap dopamine here. You know, I might be right. all about trying to get people to like me. And I have to think in terms of kingdom. That's the, that's the mm. key factor. That's good. Uh, what am I doing that really advances the kingdom? And does this change promote that? And for that to be the focus of your decision center, decision making process on, okay, is this embracing change for the purpose of change? Or is this really going to promote kingdom effectiveness through my ministry and through the church I pastor? That's really, um, that's really good. Well, to, for that to be the case, though, I think what one has to do, and I think this is something that all of us have to do, and we have to do it often. And I'm in the place in my life where I'm close to being 50. I understand what my core values are. And I think to, to really embrace how change should happen or when change should happen in terms of relevancy and does this need to happen now and is this a part of what we should do moving forward. How, how does it relate to your core beliefs? Um, and this is what I think is important in that regard. In, in this life, we're known for what we love, but we also should be under, uh, understood and loved for what we hate, mm. right? Wow. If you're constantly focusing on just promoting those principles that you love, um, it's going to skew the point of, of being relevant. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most impactful moments in the life of Jesus is when he meditated on putting a whip together. I mean, <laughs> the Bible says he, he wove it together. Yeah. So this is, this is premeditated temple cleaning, okay? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. And he turns over the money changers and pushes everyone out. And it was so it was so intense that the Bible says in John two that the disciples remembered and understood that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I mm. mean, the moment was so intense it drew them back to an Old Testament principle, right? right. It drew them them back to a core valued scripture. So, what does that testify to? Jesus not only loved people, fed people, but he was adamant about the temple having a certain feel to it. And he hated when it didn't feel the right way. Right. He right. hated that. Okay. And so I'm going to, I'm going to dictate change and the people in my life are going to understand how relevancy relates to me as it relates to what I love mm -hmm. and what I, and what I despise. Wow. That's so, <clears throat> that's so good. Brother Rawson, I was thinking as you were talking about the life of Joseph, who would not allow a new position and place, right? He's in Egypt. It's customary at that time. I mean, he's getting approached by Potiphar's wife and it's, this is something that is a norm in Egypt. So this is not a once in a million case. He was a slave. She owned him like property. 
And he's unwilling, as you said just a second ago, to compromise his core beliefs and his values and embrace the change of his present culture. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to embrace Egypt. I, I have values that were instilled in me prior to this. So I, I you know, you, you made this statement about the, the need for uh, to recognize love and hate. Like I, I'm going to hate the things that God hates. Right. I'm going to love the things that God loves. I'm not going to compromise just because I might be in a different position or place. Is that something in your opinion? Do core beliefs, will, will they always be beliefs? Will they always remain steady? What's your stance on that? Here's what I love about that question. You know, when people when people develop their world beliefs, I think there needs to be a moment where you're established. You understand what you believe. It's put into you, but it needs to be challenged. Hmm. I'm not opposed to that. When people talk about going to college, you know, we have some people that say, oh, that's a, you know, that's not really the right thing to do because they're going to be challenged. Well, I, I think it's important to embrace a critical thinking approach to your core values. Test them, hmm. right? Test them. Do they hold up to the pressure of time? Do they hold up to the definition of Calvary? Can they be something that brings and keeps a family and beyond that, a civilization together, right? Wow. And if that's the case, then they should be fought for, hmm. right? Yeah. And we might change how we, we might change how we present them. Well, let me give you a, a great example of this, right? So right now, the word hate you know, when I was writing this out and thinking about it, I thought that word hate itself is a word that's become despised. Right. right? I mean, if you say there's things I love, you're not going to have a problem communicating that. But if you say immediately there's things I hate, people will perk up and go, well, what are you going to what are you going to define as something you hate? Right. Right. So that verbiage, we may change that. We may say, look, there's some things that I hate. But I'm going to change the way I communicate those points or how I challenge those points. So to answer your question, I think that your key values are set because I think that you have pressurized them and they held up. But I think that you're, the way you communicate them, those, those considerations are what should remain relevant depending on the hour. That's so good. And I think that leads us straight into the second question. And let, let me phrase it like this. Our world is ever changing. It's just rapidly changing. And so there potentially could be some key indicators or signals that suggest it's time for a ministry to consider making significant organizational changes. Can you define what some of those key indicators or signals might be? Well, there was something I was thinking about, um, and this kind of, I think this is kind of the, the wake-up call for me on this. So I was reading a point yesterday about if we were to have a conversation with someone on Mars at the rate of the speed of light, okay? So for me and you, the speed of light has always been, that's the high mark. Mm. Speed of light is just remarkable, right? So... But this kind of put it into context. If, if we were to have a conversation with someone on Mars, the, at the speed of light, the delay would be three minutes. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Okay. Now, we're talking, you're in Tulsa. I'm in Lake Charles. 
It's instant. Instant. Instant, right? So what was understood as speed is no longer relevant in this new world. Right. Okay. The point being is the rapid evolving aspect is so crazy that if we're going to premise and say, okay, we're going to try to keep up with the evolving of, of technology, I, I think we're missing the point. Right. Right. What we have to do is we have to say, what is our kingdom standard? What is it that we really want to determine as being successful markers mm. for, for, okay, is it working or do we need to focus on, are we relevant? Yeah. And I think that there's, there's three things that really work. Number one, are you having a generational moving of the spirit? Right? So I think Joel chapter two is more than a promise. I think it's a directive. Mm. Joel two and 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay. So notice he's not referencing them as young men and women. He doesn't say, and it shall come to pass. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and young men and women shall prophesy. It says sons and daughters. So he's not speaking here directly to young people. He's speaking to the parents Mm. and he's saying to the parents, Create the kind of environment that advances prophetic voice and prophetic experience and perspective. Wow. That's good. That's really good. So what does that what does that mean? It means that our youth should be having dynamic moves of God. And it's my responsibility to make sure that the environment promotes that. That's now, that's really good. How do you create prophetic voices and perspective? Number one. You bring in prophetic voices. Number two, create worship environments which appeal to deeper moves of God. And number three, celebrate when there's young men and women that break through. Wow. That's that's really good. I love the multi-generational aspect of this. This is this is this change does not just happen and and at one level. This is this is filtering all the way through in, in a family context. Uh, that's brilliant. That's, that's absolutely brilliant, Brother Ralston. That's brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this, and, and when I see the need to recognize change, when change does come, it, it causes uncertainty. It brings a certain level of discomfort. And uh, I remember I had something on my desk for a long time. Somebody bought it for me when I was a, a, a young, young man beginning ministry. And it said, when you're through changing, you're through. So I think the expectation is to expect change. It just happens. Um, we can't stop time. It just, it's something that goes on, but there's often a certain level of uncertainty and discomfort that comes along with that. So what spiritual and emotional support systems can ministers and church leaders rely on to help them navigate some of these challenges? What can we do? What, how can we, how can we approach this as, as leaders in churches? Well, I'm going to talk about this from a lead pastor perspective. Okay. So again, I'm 49. I'll be 50 here in December. I'm surrounded by people that are younger than me for the most part. They're going to automatically promote change. Mm. They can't help it. They can't. Okay. So I I can't be the old guy, get off my lawn all the time. (laughs) Right. 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 Okay. 
So how do, how do I keep from becoming uh, the, the old guy? And at the same time, I'm not going through a midlife crisis. You know, I'm not going to be in a position to <laughs> to accept all change because I just want to so desperately be relatable. I'm looking at it going, okay, what's my responsibility as a lead pastor surrounded mm. by influences that want change? I have to become a master communicator of principles. Wow. Our principles do not change. Now, if you want to challenge how we're protecting, if you want to challenge how we're presenting, if you want to challenge how we're conveying those principles, then I'll listen to you. Mm. But my responsibility as a lead pastor to say, this doesn't change today, and it's not going to change 10 years from now. How we go about packaging it must change. It must be challenged. It must be, it must evolve. Okay. Now let me give you, I think three factors, if I may, to help communicate the principle. So if you're a lead pastor and you're thinking about how to communicate along the lines of these don't change, but I want to be effective in the communication. This is the way I, I think you should think. And I think me and you have talked often this is the key factor, and I, we're, we're in agreement. Number one, we have to really become biblically in-depth mm. at a tremendous level. Yeah. Right? That's good. And again, our elders did a wonderful job. They, they said, do this, don't do this. But they did not communicate the why. Right. And they didn't elevate the principle in a manner that would give biblical depth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's an example. And I, and I think I presented this at your church at one point, but I talked about how clarity in regards to holiness was centered on two factors in the new Testament. It's centered on holiness is DNA and holiness is also premised on how you evolve, how you become more like Christ. Okay. Right. Well, in some instances in scripture, holiness is described as something that's already happened. In other instances, it's described as something that is happening. Mm. And so you have to, as a, as a lead pastor, you have to come back and say, this is what we need to talk about. We need to talk about what is in your life already secured in regards to God's holiness and where you need to focus to be the best you can be, be as a disciple in developing the righteousness of God in your life. Okay? Mm-hmm. This kind of conversation has to be applicable. That's the key. Years ago, uh, uh, I was having some trouble, and I called a mentor of mine, and we were talking. And he said, what's the biggest problem you got right now? And I said, I am filling my calendar every day with four or five people that are talking to me about circumstances that they're dealing with. And, and I, I just feel like that I'm pastoring at a high level and it's become such a commitment that it's infringing even on my study time. And he asked me, he said, well, in your preaching, are you preaching in a way that's applicable? Or he said, how is your preaching? And I said, well, I mean, I, I feel like I'm preaching revelation. And he said, well, do people walk away knowing how to apply it to their lives? Mm. It crushed me, right? Mm. Okay. 
to answer your question, if we get back as lead pastors or make it a point to communicate effectively in deep biblical regard in a way that's applicable, our principles, then we, I think we will give people a chance to understand where we're coming from. And, and those points will be so clear that it will give people an understanding. There's richness here in depth. So things might be changing around us, but this is something we can build on. And that's, I think, the key. That's good. So you, you made mention of the importance of this generation and their need for an explanation of why. Like, I have three boys, one 21, one 17, the other one 10, and all of them have been raised in what I would call more of a why generation, right? And uh, the need for knowledge. And so as a lead pastor, you can, you can look at individual cases or individual examples, or you can look at like the scope of your pressing towards the explanation. But how do we more effectively as leaders, whether it's ministry leaders or organizational leaders, how do we more effectively address the why, Brother Ralston? I think it's a good point. And I'm not going to belabor this aspect of it, but I pray every single day through the tabernacle plan. Mm. And one of the key aspects of the tabernacle plan is I pray, I pray through the surrender, the altar. That's good. I pray, I pray at the basin, washing motives. I enter into the tabernacle, and there you have the light, the illuminating light, um, the golden candlesticks. And I pray earnestly at that point there, sincerely, God opened my mind to speak in terms of revelation. Yeah. We have to study to show ourselves to be excellent in communicating. That's a great point. Okay. And the communication has to be in, in, in such a way, it has to be presented to where it helps give biblical description to things that were just assumed or things that were never studied out. Let me give you a great example of this. So there was a point in the Bible in which, in John 8, in which they brought to Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery. And they said, Moses in the law dictates, so tradition dictates that we stone her. But what do you say? Jesus knelt down and began to write. He leans up and says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And he kneels back down. And when he looks up, he says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? Hmm. And she said, they've left. Jesus then says to her, go and sin no more, giving her a chance that she didn't even think was possible. Not necessarily a chance to be free from that moment of death, but a chance to go forth and be sin-free for the rest of her life. But now consider two aspects of this, okay? Jesus knew the difference between those in that audience that day who were managing sin. Mm. Let him who is without sin. Right. And those who were burdened by sin. Looking for a way to be forgiven. Okay. I think this generation needs to have that kind of voice in the pulpit that says, are you managing or are you looking to be free mm. from sin? Right. We have to have deeper 
more communication-oriented preaching uh, that speaks to transformation oh, that's and good. speaks to discipleship. That's so and good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to excite these that are coming up. It's going to excite them to be that much more biblically relevant themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to inspire. And so their principles really come, come to formation. Uh, so good, Brother Ralston. Without vision, people are, we say perish, but it's that, that word there can be expounded upon. They're scattered, right? I mean, yes, death, but scattered. Without vision, people are scattered. And so that voice from the pulpit, like you just said, um, giving clarity to this generation to help them to study, to show themselves approved unto God, them having a personal relationship them having that opportunity to be able to express out their faith and live biblically grounded. Um, Man, there's a lot to chew on today. Anything uh, as we close this thing out, anything that you would just love to add, anything about change, about the subject of change, the matter of change, how to deal with it, so on, that you would just like to leave um, our audience today to help them live out a, a red life. Yeah. I, 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 first of all, it's been great to be on the podcast and thank you. You're very welcome. Um, I love, because as I begin to think about this and, and just write some notes out, I love the fact that Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies when he came. And he stated often, I can only do the will of my father. Mm. Jesus was bringing about radical change, but his change was accountable to 300 prophetic statements. That's so good. His his change was accountable to a father component in prayer. But then to add to that, when he was to when he was to bring the greatest change upon his disciples there right before the garden of gethsemane and the cross he took a personal stance and washed their feet and really pulled them into his confidence wow so i would say to advance change remain committed to the prophetic mm. that's that's written remain committed to the father figures and wash the feet of those you serve, and you'll be able to advance change in a way that's truly bearing out a kingdom ideology. Thank you so much for joining us on The Bottom Half is Red. Uh, Listen, I hope you have enjoyed your time with us today and gained something of value. If you love what you heard today, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps us. Your feedback is incredibly crucial and we want to improve on what we're doing and to bring you the best content possible. You can find us on Facebook, look us up, Instagram, even YouTube at the bottom half is red. Hey, be sure to check the episode description for any links to any resources that we have mentioned during the show. You don't want to miss out. This podcast is a production of The Church Today here in the great city of Tulsa, and the executive producer is our very own David Tandra. I hope you've had a fantastic time, and we look forward to having you with us again on our next episode of The Bottom Half is Red. We'll see you then.